I will feast at the table of the Lord. I will feast at the table of the Lord. I won't hunger anymore. Welcome to the table. You are listening to the Kingstown Communion podcast with lead pastor Michelle Matthews. The Kingstown Communion is a new United Methodist Church existing to gather people into communion with Jesus Christ through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. We worship at Island Creek Elementary School, 7855 Morning View Lane, every Sunday at 10 a.m. For more information about upcoming events and opportunities to serve, visit our Facebook page, facebook.com forward slash Kingstown Communion. We're glad that you're listening along with us. If you live close by, we hope you'll join us for worship in person. And if you ever feel so inclined to help us by giving financially, you can do so on our website, kingstowncommunion.net. Peter said, by no means, Lord, 
for I have never eaten anything that is profane or unclean. The boy said to him again a second time, what God has made clean, you must not call profane. This happened three times, and the thing was suddenly taken up into heaven. Now, while Peter was greatly puzzled about what to make of the vision that he had seen, suddenly the men went to Cornelius, sent by Cornelius appeared. They were asked for Simon's house and were standing by the gate. They called out to ask whether Simon, who was called Peter, was uh, staying there. While Peter was still thinking about the vision, the spirit said to him, look, three men are searching for you. Now get up and go down and go with them without hesitation, for I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and said, I am the one you are looking for. What is the reason for your coming? They answered, Cornelius, a centurion, an upright and God-fearing man who was well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to send for you to come to his house and to hear what you have to say. So Peter invited them in and gave them lodging. The next day he got up and went with them, and some of the believers from Joppa accompanied him. The following day they came to Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them and had called together his relatives and close friends. On Peter's arrival, Cornelius met him, and falling at his feet, worshipped him. But Peter made him get up, saying, Stand up, I am only a mortal. And as he talked with him, he went in and found that many had assembled. And he said to them, You yourselves know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or to visit a Gentile, but God has shown me that I should not call anyone profane or unclean. Then Peter began to speak to them. I truly understand that God shows no partiality, but in every nation, anyone who fears him and does what is right is acceptable to him. While Peter was still speaking, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who heard the word. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astounded that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and extolling God. Then Peter said, Can anyone withhold the water for baptizing these people who have received the Holy Spirit just as we have? So he ordered them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they invited him to stay for several days. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. So we are now in the sixth week of this series that we are moving through on Acts, and we have read some insane stories up until now. And this one is no different. It is equally as insane. And we've talked about the, how the church first gathered, but we have not yet talked about who d did or does the gathering. We get to Acts 10 today, and we're reminded of who does the gathering. Acts 10 takes us all the way back to Acts 2. For while Peter was still speaking, it says, the Holy Spirit fell on all those who were listening. It says the people uncircumcised and circumcised alike, Jew and Greek alike, were astounded by the gift of the Holy Spirit. It could be said that there are two types of Christians. Could be. <coughs> Those who hear the word Holy Spirit and think, praise the Lord, at last someone is finally talking in this place about the power of God. 
or <laughs> someone who hears the words Holy Spirit and thinks, help me, Lord Jesus, I'm going to be expected to utter strange things and sing music that's not in four-part harmony and attend services longer than two hours, right? <laughs> I'm going to guess we have more people in that category because nobody really even connect besides Ed. Ed might be in the first category. <laughs> so we're in the book called The Acts of the Apostles, which is an incredibly strange name, a name that seems a little more easy to swallow than what it should be named. You know the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John? These truly should be called the Acts of Jesus because they're the acts of Jesus, which would make the book of Acts of the Apostles truly should be named the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because the one who does the gathering in all of these texts throughout Acts, the one who's doing the converting, the one who's doing the miraculous work is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is principally about one thing and one thing only, always making Jesus present. The Holy Spirit, Spirit makes present the Jesus of the past and the Jesus of the future. You know the Jesus of the past. The Jesus of the past is the one who was born and baptized and tempted and called disciples together and was tortured and crucified and who was raised from the dead and ascended into heaven to be with God. This is the Jesus of the past and the Jesus of the future is the Jesus who will come again, who will unite and reign over heaven and earth in a new realm of joy and perfect freedom in this unending relationship with God, the Trinity, in which all creation will worship God and be in friendship with God and will share at God's table, the Jesus of the past and the future. And the Holy Spirit makes this Jesus of yesterday and this Jesus of forever, present, today in real and ordinary ways, and some of the most surprising ways as well. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus known to us through baptism and through eating at this table behind me and through the practices of prayer we do every single week and in the reading of scripture and in acts of kindness and mercy that we do when we, when we go to Sunday suppers. And these are the kind of regular occurrences of the Holy Spirit for us who come to church, who come to a place like this. And the Holy Spirit also makes Jesus present, if that's the role of the Holy Spirit, making Jesus present. The Holy Spirit makes Jesus present in surprising ways as well, in the wise words of a stranger, in, in a, the apparent, an apparent disaster that turns out in a way we could never expect, in the way God seems to use most extraordinary people to tell God's stories, Ethiopian eunuchs and dead women like Tabitha, and church persecutors like Paul, and Roman centurions like, like Cornelius. But because the church fathers named this book the Acts of the Apostles instead of the Acts of the Holy Spirit, because even those who canonize the, the scripture that we use today were apprehensive of the word Holy Spirit, even them, because a lot of Christians across the world are scared of the Holy Spirit, I figured today we would talk about how this Spirit works. In order to understand the Holy Spirit, we must tune our hearts and our minds into three key words. The first is the word receive. 
this is a word that, that makes it absolutely clear that God is not our poodle. In other words, the Holy Spirit, according to her own calendar, is not a puppy that we can train or walk to sit, to lie down when we, when we shout a particular command. When I think about how the Holy Spirit works, I, I think of a story my friend Kate told me. Kate, a colleague of mine, um, spent some time serving a church in Ghana. And like Virginia, Ghana is very hot in the summer. Not Actually, not at all like Virginia. Much hotter than Virginia. And unlike Virginia, they have no air conditioning. She told me that this little church in Ghana didn't have enough money to put um, glass in their windows. And this proved to be an advantage to them for a long time because the breeze just blew through on Sunday mornings. Except the breeze was so strong, they could not hold on to any piece of paper or keep anything on the right page. And so it was a beautiful breeze, but after some time, it made worship incredibly difficult. The pastor could not have any prepared words. The pages just blew everywhere. People couldn't follow along with the scripture. The pages blew everywhere. People could not follow along with the old Methodist hymns that we had sent over hymn books and they couldn't follow along in these books. And so finally they decided this is unbearable. You can't do church this way. We would rather have windows. And so they raised money to put windows in their window panes and the very next morning, the wind blew the roof off. <laughs> this reminds me of the Holy Spirit. You, you cannot dictate, you cannot orchestrate how the Holy Spirit will act in a church. The Holy Spirit is to be received, not grasped or, or contained. The Spirit sets her own agenda. A few months ago, we had a visitor come here who I discovered had a very fixed idea of what church is to be like. And so she sent me an email after worship um, saying, honestly, I found your church a little confusing. And so I'm like, really, oh my gosh, what does this mean? She said, well, your people wear jeans and yet you wear a collar. Are you Catholic or not? <laughs> and then she said, in the exact same service, your band sang, blessed assurance, Jesus is mine. Oh, what a foretaste of glory divine. And then you invited everyone to the communion table. Are you Baptist or are you not? <laughs> And in the same service, you sang a song that I recognized from contemporary radio. I knew that song. And then you later followed it up with the doxology, where you made people stand for this thing. Are you contemporary or are you not? And you meet in a school for worship, but you have a full-on bulletin? <laughs> are you traditional or are you not? And so at the end of the email, she finally just wrote, so what kind of church are you? <laughs> and so I decided not to answer it myself. I decided to rope in one of my leaders from the leadership team to answer it. And so I just said, hello, I'm so glad you asked. I'd love to introduce you to someone who might be able to answer this question better for you. Hey, would you share with her what kind of church are we? And the response was, we're a church that's open to God open to God. 
That's what it means to receive the Holy Spirit. As Kingstown was beginning, we, we didn't have preconceived ideas of what God could or couldn't do with us and in us and, and through us in worship. And so worship took on this very not traditional, not, not contemporary, not Catholic, not, not Baptist, this place uniquely Kingstown, uniquely what the Holy Spirit brought here. This is the entire trajectory of the book of Acts of the Apostles, or the Acts of the Holy Spirit. This entire book takes us through a series of encounters with people who challenge what the Holy Spirit can and can't do. The Ethiopian eunuch, a gentle man who, who doesn't align with society's standards of what a real man is to be, and you can almost hear echoed from the page. So I'm confused. What kind of man are you? Ethiopian eunuch receives the Holy Spirit and comes into the kingdom. And then there's Saul, this Pharisaic persecutor of Christians, someone who just held the coats during, during someone's stoning, during, during the stoning of, um, of Stephen. And, and you can almost hear echoed off the page, so wait, I'm confused. What, what kind of Jewish official are you? And he receives the Holy Spirit and comes into the kingdom. And then there's Cornelius in today's scripture, a Roman commander who was both Gentile and member of an army that kept the Jews from restoring God's promise for years after years after years. And Cornelius, you can hear echoed off the page, what, what kind of Roman guard are you? And he receives the Holy Spirit and is enters into the kingdom, the only issue here seems to be whether the believers can keep up with the wild firework way of the Holy Spirit. This is the scary ministry of the Spirit, why people find it dramatic and sudden and surprising and incredibly scary and love to stay away from it. It's something that we can only receive. but. But there's another kind of ministry of the Holy Spirit for which I would like to use the word become. A couple of weeks ago, I was in Denver, um, spending most of my evenings changing diapers and reading bedtime stories. And one evening I picked up a book and I'm reading along with, um, with Jack and um, I fell in love with the narrative. Once, once there was a rich man and he met and he fell in love with this young maiden and she was lovely in, in form and lovelier even, even more in her character. And he rejoiced when he saw her, this story says. Yet he grieved also because he knew that he was not like her. He knew it. His face was hideous and his heart was cruel. He considered how, how in the world could I win her heart? How could I? Eventually, eventually he had a plan. He went to seek out a mask maker, which was the title of the book. He said, make me a mask that I shall become handsome. Then perhaps I can win the love of this noble young woman. The mask maker did as he bid. The man was transformed into this handsome figure. He, he tried hard to summon the character to match the new exterior he had. And, and, and he tried and he did. And it was sufficient to win her heart and, and hand and the fair ma maiden. They fell in love and they were married. 
and 10 years of increasing happiness followed. But the man knew he was carrying a secret. He sensed that the true love could not be founded on the deceit he had created. And so he, he knew that he had to, to tell his wife the truth. And so he goes back to the mask maker with a heavy heart and trembling hand. He knocks the second time and he, he says to the mask maker, it's time to remove this mask from me. He walked slowly and anxiously back to his home. He greeted his wife and to his astonishment, she had no comment at all, nor showed any untoward reaction to it. There was no scream, no horror, no, no revulsion. And so he, he searched for a mirror. He had to look for, for himself. Does he look as bad as he thinks he does? He looked and saw no ugliness, but a face as handsome as the mask he had before, a face so different from his original face and he's amazed and he's overjoyed, but bewildered and confused too. And he ran back to the mask maker to find out what, what is the explanation for all of this? And the mask maker said, you've changed. You loved a beautiful person. You have become beautiful too. You have become beautiful through loving her. You become like the face of the one whom you love. The Acts of the Apostles is not just a story of sudden, spontaneous acts of the Holy Spirit. It's also the story of how people who love Jesus become like Jesus. The story of the slow transformation, formation of a community of Jew and Gentile, slave and free, men and women, oppressor and oppressee, of the slow becoming of the body of Christ out of a people who had known so many dividing walls. The Holy Spirit is about receiving and also about becoming. This is why there are two great acts of the church revolving around the Holy Spirit, the act of baptism, which we have seen so many occurrences of in our church since we've started. So many babies have been baptized. And the act of confirmation that comes after it, which I am happy to say we are going to have our very first confirmation class this year. Confirmation or baptism is the sacrament of where parents think for a long time, a long and thoughtful time about baptizing this baby. They imagine it ahead of time. And the baby though, <laughs> feels the full force of the very sudden action of the Holy Spirit on that baby in that water. Confirmation, though, names the consent. This long process already begun and not yet finished by which the Holy Spirit enfolds them into the body of Christ in which they wear the mask of Christ's beauty but have not yet fully become like the face of the one they love. Baptism and confirmation, they belong together because they reflect the two contrasting aspects of the work of the Holy Spirit, the sudden and the gradual, the part God does alone and the part in which we have a significant role to play, the kind we simply receive and the kind we slowly become. 
but I've left something out. I've left out the bit in between, the sudden and the gradual, between the receive and the become. It's a bit of both. It has the be of become and the eve of receive. It's the word believe. Believe in Jesus Christ, crucified, risen, incarnate on earth and ascended into heaven, son of God, son of man. If receive means being tossed a, a soccer jersey and asked to play, believe means putting on that jersey and taking a place on the field and become means picking up the habits of the game we call soccer. The Holy Spirit, remember, it is always and only about one thing, always and only about one thing, making Jesus present. Whether it's dramatic, like the roof blowing off a church in Ghana, or gradual, like a man's face changing under a mask, it's always about Jesus. And that means it's about faith. Because it's a scary thing. And faith is this gift coming from outside of us that we can't make happen. That's the receive bit. <laughs> but faith is also something we grow into as well. It, by being surrounded by people whose lives show us what God can do, that's the become part of it. Receive, believe, become. The acts of the Holy Spirit teach us not to get too hung up on the order of those things. Sometimes the received bit comes first as on the day of Pentecost. Sometimes the believed bit comes first as in the story about Cornelius's household. They all just were converted and believed and it's miraculous if you are a skeptic like me. And sometimes the become bit comes first because we all know people who seem to be living like Christians when they have neither, neither been baptized nor have confessed a single thing. Don't worry about the order, the Acts of the Holy Spirit says. Too much angst, too much angst has been spilt over that order. There's no definitive order. <coughs> but do ask, which one of these do I find most uncomfortable? Which one of these would cause me to rename the book of Acts? Do I find the receive part the difficult bit for me? Because I like to control God and I, I don't like surprises? Or do I find the believe part the hard part for me? Because I like, I like the drama and I, I sense I'm growing it as a person and community and this passion and transformation, but I... If I'm honest, I find the, the details about Jesus, Jesus elusive and hard to grasp and hard to believe. Or do I find I stumble over the part of becoming, becoming like what Jesus looks like behind the mask. But I struggle to turn that into to participation in a community of discipleship. Do I, do I struggle with showing up here? Do I struggle with taking off the mask and looking like Jesus. Whichever part you find uncomfortable, know that there is no order to this, and each of us has our own part that makes us uncomfortable. But I invite you to do two things. 
we talk, we do not talk enough about the Holy Spirit here. <laughs> Have the grace of God. Have the grace of God within you to, to, to thank God. Thank God for the gift of the Spirit in your life. The ways that you have seen God through receiving things you never thought possible. Through believing things you never thought you could believe. Through becoming a person you never thought you'd be. And don't be too shy to ask for those gifts again and again. Receive, believe, and become. I think this is also a message for the Kingstown Communion. As a church, it's time that we receive, believe, and become. Would you pray for me? Would you pray with me? <laughs> Peter and Cornelius realized that in God there was no partiality. That that which has been made clean by God, the places in our lives where we have received what we couldn't possibly have, the places where we have believed in God's goodness, even when what's right in front of us doesn't make it possible, couldn't possibly lead us to that, <clears throat> the places where we have become steady, Christians in a faith community and we looked back on our lives two years before and said how in the world did that happen we say that which has been made clean don't you dare underestimate don't you dare underestimate how my love is reckless and impartial and how I am constantly calling people to receive believe and become in extraordinary and in ordinary ways. God, we ask that your spirit would be something practical in our lives, something we see lived out in those moments with strangers, in those places in life where we realize we were on, we're going one direction and you turn us around to the next. But also, God, we do ask that your spirit would be tangibly supernatural for us. We all long to come to a place of worship like this and to sense your presence, to sense the, the weight and the responsibility and how grand you are. Make us know that spirit. And also teach us to put away every other understanding of the Spirit. We, all the preconceived notions we have of how you might work through a place like this or through people like us. Keep us from categorizing our stories. From, from looking at those who have had miraculous moments and saying, wow, their faith story is so much more inspiring and interesting than mine. Instead, God creep into our stories and bring to the surface those moments we forgot about where we received your gift of forgiveness when forgiveness wasn't possible, when we believed 
that you will resurrect us out of the pit of despair when that seemed impossible and when we became better people, the people you've called us to be because of being in a community like this. You do miraculous things and we don't weave those together enough to see the big picture. We offer all that we have to you and we pray together that prayer that is truly about receiving, believing, and becoming. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Those who are assisting, please come.